Hello, I'm Jacob Kruger, and this is the Write Your Screenplay Podcast. On this podcast, rather than rating movies two thumbs up or two thumbs down, we look at them in terms of what we can learn from them as screenwriters. Um, this podcast on Parasite was actually recorded before the COVID-19 crisis. And because of that, there's a theme that I didn't talk about that I need to talk about now. Um, there's a theme in the movie Parasite, uh, a theme of fear, and a theme of the choices we make when we are under the pressure of fear, when we are dealing with fear of the other, fear of ourselves, fear of the, the thing that we see looming in the future that we are afraid of. Um, and right now we're living in a time of fear, uh, in a way we all feel like that family right now, cooped up in their little underground apartment, trying to wait out the storm. And during these times of fear, these are also times of opportunity. Um, and saying that, I don't want to minimize how badly this crisis affected people. People are losing their jobs. Um, people are losing loved ones. Uh, we all feel that fear um, that comes with that. Um, when you're building a character, there are basically two directions that a character can head. They can head towards love or they can head away from fear. Um, and of course, the same is true for you um, and for all of us during these times. We can either move towards love or we can move away from fear. And it's challenging because sometimes the way that we think we are uh, speaking sounds like towards love, but it's actually away from fear. So for example, we might say, I want to stay safe. And that might sound like a towards love. Um, but that's actually an away from fear want versus I want to connect with my family. That's a towards love want. I want to dedicate that extra 15 minutes I got by not having to commute towards my writing. That's a towards love want. I want to uh, take uh, 10 minutes in the morning and meditate. That's a towards love want. Um, so if you are, if you have a character who's moving away from fear, you're going to notice something that they're very hard to write, um, and that structurally, if a character is moving away from fear, what ends up happening is whatever they fear is going to end up materializing in their lives. But you're going to notice that if a character is moving away from fear, they're harder to write. The character who wants to be safe is harder to write than the character who is driving towards a love. Uh, for your characters, if you end up with a character who's moving away from fear, no problem. Just ask, well, what's the opposite of that fear for them? What is, what could they do? What's the action that they want to accomplish that makes them feel like they can overcome their fear? Or that would be an answer or solution for their fear. Um, but for you, you don't want to be moving away from fear because when we're moving away from fear, what ends up happening is we end up, every action that we take ends up being affected by that. Instead, 
uh, I want to challenge you during these hard times, just as I'm challenging myself during these hard times. Uh, I want to challenge yourself to take a moment each morning, not even for writing, a moment each morning to think about what are your values? What is the life that you want to lead? Because one of the incredible things about this period is it crystallizes what's really important to us. And there will come a time several months from now when we are back to normal, when we're no longer living in isolation and when this disease has passed. But right now, this feels like the new reality. And we can use this time to kind of crystallize what really matters to us. What do we want to devote our energy towards? Not what are you going to do in relation to the fear. You can use the rest of your day to deal with that. But instead to say, who do I want to be if that fear didn't exist? What are the steps I can take today? What are the little steps that I can do in that extra 15 minutes I got now that I don't have to commute? In that extra half hour I got now that I'm not going to happy hour with my friends? What are those little steps that you can take today that will help you move towards the life you want on the other side of this? Not in reaction to your fear, but actually in reaction to your love, in reaction to the part of you that is the best part of you, that's the part you want to be. Um, I also want to make you aware of some things that we at Jacob Kruger Studio are doing to support our community right now if you'd like to be a part of it. Um, starting on Thursday the 26th, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time, we're going to have an event called Quarantinis, um, where Steve Moulton and I are going to host free writing exercises for our community. Uh, the event's totally by donation. Uh, if you can afford to give, uh, any donations will go towards supporting our students who may be struggling uh, during this time or setting up a scholarship fund. Um, if you can't afford, you can come for free um, and you'll get an hour of writing exercises, some community, some connection, um, pour yourself a quarantini, whatever that means to you, and come join us. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, for If you're a parent, um, we have also started an online screenwriting program for kids. We know that uh, with kids home from school, it's very challenging to get your work done. And so we're creating a nice, fun, easy program that will keep them busy and excited, that will give them a way of processing their emotions about all of this. And... Um, and that will also give them cool writing exercises that they can do even between classes that will keep them occupied and busy and keep their minds stimulated during this time. Um, and uh, you can find out more about that at writeyourscreenplay.com. And uh, if you need a scholarship, um, we are offering scholarships of up to 50% off on that and on all of our classes, our Write Your Screenplay class, our TV drama class, our TV comedy class, it's all um, self-identification. Um, so if you need a scholarship, um, basically for every uh, full price class sold, we're going to give away two scholarships. Um, and we have front-loaded that with a bunch of scholarships that we've donated ourselves. Um, that will allow people who have been affected by this crisis, if you're in the service industry, if you're in production, if you're in performing arts, 
um, to be able to continue to grow your writing at a very low cost uh, online during this period. And of course, we've taken all of our classes online. So if you can afford to join us at full price, please do so so that you support your community. If you can't, uh, you can go to our website. It will be very easy for you to um, get a scholarship if you need one. And with that, uh, I invite you to enjoy my podcast on Parasite. Last episode, we talked about Parasite and the way that tone is used in the film. We compared Parasite to Little Miss Sunshine, another Academy Award-winning film that uses tone in really unusual and interesting ways. And we talked about the difference between tone and genre and how that plays out in those two films. In today's podcast, what I want to do is get even deeper into Parasite. I want to look at the place where tone meets theme. I want to look at the theme of Parasite and how that ends up informing the tone and the structure of the film. Bong created this film without even knowing where he was going, without even knowing what happened in the second half. So we're going to talk about how he achieved that by allowing tone and structure and thematic exploration to help the movie unfold in front of him. Parasite is built around a question. Who is the parasite? Last week, we talked about the theme of infiltration that Bong was interested in as he started to write the script. Uh, But in the title, Parasite, he really focuses the meaning of that theme. This is a movie about parasitic infiltration. This is about the way that our society views each other as parasites. The way the rich view the poor as parasites. The way the poor view the rich as the parasites. The way the poor view the underclass as parasites. In a way, what he's really looking at is our political situation and the ongoing class wars that we're having across the world. And the question that Bong is asking is one that he doesn't necessarily fully know the answer to. And that's what makes his exploration so interesting, so compelling. Many writers, especially political writers, get confused between the concepts of theme and moral. They think that they're exploring a theme, but what they're really doing is trying to impose their moral point of view on the audience. And often the result is really bad movies, not only movies that fail dramatically, but also movies that fail to actually influence anyone politically, at least anyone who doesn't already believe what the writer believes. What a great writer does, instead of pretending that they have the answer, is to admit that it's never that simple. And instead, what they try to do is pose a question to themselves that they're not fully capable of answering, that they're going to have to wrestle with on the page to make some sense of, When you work in this way, you take not only the audience on a journey, but also you take yourself on a journey. You force yourself to challenge your assumptions and your easy answers and to look for something closer to the truth. And along the way, you're going to end up writing a movie or a TV show that's going to be a heck of a lot more convincing for people, especially those who may believe differently from you. So the bad version of Parasite from one political point of view might say, 
You know what the problem is? The problem is the rich. The problem is that the rich are parasites living off of the poor, sucking off the resources from these good, poor, working folks who just want to do right. And these rich parasites are taking everything for their own selfish aims. Oh, those nasty one percenters. And from the opposite political point of view, the bad version of this movie says, you know what the problem is? The problem is the poor. The problem is that the poor are parasites feeding off of the rich and they just need to pull themselves up from their bootstraps because anyone can make it. And the person with this political point of view might say, look, I started with nothing and now I'm a one percenter. And you know, the poor just need to stop thinking of themselves as welfare cases and take responsibility for their lives and stop being parasites. And a more complicated but also bad version of this point of view is, you know who it really is? It isn't the middle class. It's the real poor. It's the poorer than the poor people. It's, it isn't the legal immigrants, it's the illegal immigrants. It isn't the poor, it's the homeless. They're the parasites. And just to make it clear, I don't believe any of these points of view. But that's not really what's important. What's really important is to understand that these are points of view that are out there in the world, that have a hold of people, and that our job as writers is to wrestle with those ideas and to ask ourselves, what's closer to the truth? Bad political movies try to preach a moral. They try to find clear good guys and clear bad guys. But of course, we know the real world is so much more complicated. And to wax political for a second, bad politics does the same thing. Bad politics casts pure villains and pure good guys. Bad politics says the rich are bad or the poor are bad. This group is bad and that group is good. When the truth is, as we all know, so, so, so much more complicated. And so what Bong does is ask that question that he doesn't know the answer to. What he sees is parasites, that people can be parasites. And he's asking the question in the film, who is the parasite? And he builds the structure in a way to make you ask that question, not to preach a moral to you, but rather to show you a very complicated socio-political landscape that reflects our socio-political landscape. It's an allegory that basically helps you understand a little bit more the complexity of what's really going on. So what's interesting is that Bong doesn't start off saying, you know what's going to happen at the end? It's going to turn into a horror movie because the dad is going to, spoiler, because the dad is going to kill the wealthy man who's employed him because he's so disgusted, because he's so offended by the man's disrespect for him, because of the way the man treats his smell. That's not how Bong starts. Bong doesn't know that it's going to turn into a horror movie, that it's going to end with a murder. He doesn't even know what the second half of the piece is. He just knows he's interested in infiltration and that he's playing around with this idea of who is the parasite in a world where everyone is viewing each other as parasites. This is a very sensitive movie made by a writer-director with a very profound social conscience. I don't think at the end of the day that Bong is going to come out on the side of the wealthy. But he's not going to demonize them either. He's going to look at them honestly as part of a social problem. 
and to try to shed a little bit of light on what's creating the violence in our society that we're seeing. Violence towards the poor, violence towards the rich, violence among the poor. What is creating the feeling of parasitism? What is making us act like parasites? Because he's a great filmmaker. He starts by weighing the argument against his own point of view. So rather than starting with a parasitic rich family, he starts with a parasitic poor family. Now, look, this family is lovely and funny and adorable and they love the hell out of each other, which allows us to love them even as they do some nasty things. They live in a tiny little underground home that's the exact opposite of the elegant, extraordinary, expansive home that their rich patrons will live in later in the film. And when we first meet them, they're pulling off a scam. They're pulling off a scam with pizza boxes, trying to get hired to become pizza box folders, even though they're doing a really terrible job at it. All this family wants is to get their cell phone service back on. All they want is just a teeny little bit of something. Because they're the have-nots, they have absolutely nothing. And then the son gets a unique opportunity. He's going to become a tutor for a rich young girl. A girl that his friend has been tutoring, and his friend has fallen in love with her, and his friend is waiting for her to come of age so he can finally ask her out. And he's terrified that some other tutor will fall in love with her the same way he is while he's gone. So his friend asks him if he will become the tutor. And this is going to be mean for him more money than he has ever seen before in his life. This is going to change his life and his family's life. And of course he agrees and he becomes her tutor and he's great at it, but he's not content. You see what happens is another opportunity opens up. He finds out there's a little boy who's an artist, a troubled little boy, the little girl's brother. A little boy who we'll later find out has seen a ghost or what he believes to be a ghost that's haunting him. And the mother is extremely worried about her little boy. And so the tutor takes advantage of this in just a little simple way with a tiny little manipulative lie. And he brings his sister in as an art teacher. And it turns out his sister is also very talented as an art teacher. But things have gone from very light to just a little more dark because the sister really preys on the mom's fear, the mom's concern. That's the way she secures that teaching job for herself. And by the end of the sequence, she's laid a little trap for a complete innocent, the driver who serves this family, a little trap that's going to get that driver fired and destroy his livelihood so that she can get her dad a job as well, driving the car. And so what we start to see is this parasitic thing happening, right? We start to see this poor family that used to just be a bunch of sweet have-nots suddenly acting like cold-hearted capitalists, suddenly crushing the competition by any means necessary, suddenly not content with this new windfall of one teaching job and then another teaching job, now wanting something else and starting to become more parasitic in the way they try to get it. So now dad's driving the car and son is tutoring and daughter is tutoring and of course they're still not content even though they are now making more money than they could have ever imagined. 
Because you see, mom doesn't have a job. And in order to get mom a job, they're going to have to become even more parasitic. They're going to have to force out the kindly housekeeper, the housekeeper that's been with this family forever, the housekeeper who's practically a second mother to these children, the housekeeper who's been part of this house even before this family moved in. But soon, they've found a twisted, parasitic way to push her out as well. And you can see what's happening tonally, right? It starts so light, right, with only a few hints that it's going to get dark. We've got the title, Parasite, which kind of casts a darkness over the things we're seeing. We have the location of that underground home. We got the feeling of that home. And we have that one little genre element, that giant landscape stone that we know is going to turn into a murder weapon. Because we've seen enough horror movies to know when the son's friend gives him this giant stone as a family gift, we know this looks dangerous. But these are really the only signs of horror happening here. Just as in Little Miss Sunshine we talked about last week, the only real signs of comedy are the title and a couple of little moments that let us in. Don't worry, if you're hoping for a horror movie, it will come. Don't worry, if you're hoping for a comedy, it will come. So gradually, structurally, what's happening is things are getting more and more and more parasitic. And you can see how simple that structure is. Get the son the job, get the daughter the job, get the dad the job, get the mom the job. Great structure is always simple. Great structure is so simple. The hard thing is actually just figuring it out. In your final draft, your structure will be so simple too. You'll be able to just be like bang, 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 and it all happened in relation to the theme. You'll be like, oh, I get it. Four people get jobs, and with each job they become a little more parasitic. And why do they become more parasitic? Because they get sucked into the societal world of money, of having. And that having makes them want to have more and to protect the things that they have. In fact, halfway through the movie, they and their rich patrons have almost switched places. The rich patrons are out on a trip and the family is having a big party in the house, treating the house as if it was their own. Even though in order to get it, they pushed out the good people who were there. It sounds a lot like our socio-political system. What happens when there's no safety net? and everyone's fighting for a scarcity of resources. So with each little job, they grow more parasitic, they grow more wealthy, they hurt more people as they try to get more and hold on to what they have. And then halfway through the movie, through a little filmmaking trick, we get to feel like they have arrived. They are celebrating. They feel like they are now the wealthy even though their wealth is such a tiny, tiny fraction. It's just one day on vacation for the family that they serve. And you can, of course, see how that also relates to our current political and financial system right now. Worldwide, the polarization of wealth and the promise of good things and job growth and job creation for people who have so little that they can't even fathom the power and the resources of the people who are paying them. So we've got a very complicated situation here with the poor growing more parasitic but also growing economically. 
doing more harm, but also as they infiltrate this family, moving up the class system. And we're having a great time watching it. And the reason we're having such a great time watching it is tone. With less humor, this piece would be so freaking dark. With less humor, this piece would not suck you in because it would just douse you with ugliness. But this family loves each other so much and they're so cute and so funny that we can forgive their manipulations. We can forgive the lives that they destroy. We can forgive the choices that they make. We know where they're coming from. What's also really beautiful that happens in the first half of Parasite is we get to see the other side. We get to see the wealthy family. And when we first meet the wealthy family, we're seeing them as a stereotype. We're seeing them as the parasitic wealthy. We're seeing them as out of touch, aloof, cold, the depiction of the 1% that we like to imagine and demonize. But over the course of this act, we also start to see what's lovely about them. We start to see that they have kids who are lovely, but who also have problems. We start to see that this young, rich girl is also potentially getting exploited, not only by her first tutor, but now by her second. We start to see that the little boy is haunted by demons and that his wealthy mother, as repugnant as her level of wealth may be, is just a mom trying to help her kid. And while the dad has a certain aloofness and a certain classism to him, even he's humanized in this relationship. And so we have this structure where a family that we love becomes more and more parasitic. And the family that we start by seeing as wealthy parasites becomes more and more human. And then bang, halfway through the movie, at the moment that if you study with me, my Write Your Screenplay class, the moment that we call the sea change, this really powerful moment, another door is opened, literally in this case. And the movie switches and starts to become more and more of a horror movie. We discover that in the middle of the party, the old housekeeper shows up again and begs for them to let her in. And once they have let her in, she goes down beneath the garage to the basement where her husband is secretly living like a ghost in the house. And Bong makes a very interesting decision here, which is to take the genre element of the haunted house and to treat this character who's actually alive like the ghost that's haunting it. But again, that is kind of the way that we see the underclass. In fact, the ghost haunting this house is the man that the little boy saw. The little boy who thought he saw a ghost that the mom thinks is haunted psychologically. Well, he actually did see a ghost. And everyone is treating him like he has a problem. But the truth is he saw this dude who's living at his house that no one else even sees. And why is this dude living in his house? Because this dude lost everything and this dude isn't safe and people are coming for him, for him and he has to disappear because he has no safety net. And so what happens is this, the lower class finds the underclass. And just as happens in our country, the lower class and the underclass, rather than saying, hey, how do we help each other? Instead, try to push each other down so that they can hold on to what they have. 
The underclass tries to regain their place in their rightful home. And the newly lower class tries to push the underclass down so that they don't lose what they fought for. The horror in Parasite doesn't grow out of trying to make a horror movie, even though Bong is playing with those genre elements. The horror in Parasite grows out of this growing resentment between three different levels of class. And it grows and it grows and it grows until the ghost haunting the house gets transformed by the violence that he experiences into a real monster. Until the father who starts the movie as a joyful, jovial, carefree man who just wants to get his cell phone reconnected turns into the slasher movie monster. And what turns him into it? A series of insults about his smell, a feeling that no matter how much he tries to grow, no matter how much he tries to change, he will always be the underclass. He will always be where he came from. What happens is a brutal murder of a man who is not a good guy, but who's also not a bad guy. A man who is dressed up in a Native American headdress for a reason as he plays the game with his kid. A guy who just wants to protect his family, just like everyone else in his piece. And that's what's so beautiful about this piece, is that through a really interesting exploration of who is the parasite, Bong manages to both humanize and demonize everyone. He shows us how the social friction of competition for limited resources, of trying to hold on to what's yours, how the feeling of class and the misunderstandings between us cause us to treat each other like monsters and ghosts and demons. And how the desire to take care of our families gets twisted and turned until we all end up acting like parasites towards each other. This is what makes Parasite a great movie. And in your writing, this is how you develop your structure. You begin not by looking for the answer or what you want to show or necessarily even the ending. You start by saying, what am I interested in? You begin not by trying to write a horror movie or a comedy. You begin by letting your characters talk, letting your characters do things, figuring out what your characters want. You begin not with the moral that you want to teach your audience, but with a question you want to understand. And you start not by trying to prove something, but by trying to poke holes in what you believe. This is how we grow as writers. This is how we write that revolutionary material that allows people to see each other through more empathetic eyes. Not by trying to win our points or prove ourselves right, but rather by looking for the gaps in our own theories. Not by trying to demonize the other, but by trying to understand them. And that doesn't mean that everyone is going to be a nice guy. In fact, in Parasite, we learn that everyone has the ability to be a parasite especially when we're caught up in a parasitic system that pits people against each other, especially when people feel scared and desperate, and especially when we believe each other to be demons and ghosts. If you're enjoying this podcast and it's helping your writing, then come study with me and my faculty. We offer world-class screenwriting and TV writing classes in New York City or live online from anywhere in the world. 
We also have a unique ProTrack mentorship program that pairs you one-on-one -on -one with a professional writer who will read every page you write and mentor you through every phase of your career. For more information, visit writeyourscreenplay.com.